I think one of the <laughs> in sports, one of the best things that happened to me was I actually got cut from my soccer team, my soccer club team when I was like 13. And I got offered a spot on the B team and it made me so mad and so motivated to show them how wrong they were that it cared me for probably 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the third episode of Who Needs Permission? I have a really special guest on with me today. She is my sister, Sarah Stoller. She is super cool in a myriad of ways, um, and she does a lot of really cool things. But there was a few things in particular, both her profession and also, um, well, kind of her second side profession um, that I wanted to talk to her about. So, Sarah, welcome to my podcast, and thank you so much for being here. And I would just love for you to introduce yourself and tell me a little bit about what it is you do that I think is so cool. Well, thank you so much, Hannah. I am honored to be here. I really appreciate you asking, and I love the work that you do. So I'm Sarah Stoller. I am Hannah's oldest sister. I live in Boise, Idaho, where I am a family doctor at a community health center. My side hustle is that I am a professional ultimate frisbee player for the Utah Wilds, which is a team uh, based in Salt Lake City, but has athletes from the Mountain West. And our mission is to elevate and provide opportunities for women and non-binary athletes. Wow, that's really cool. Um, And I see you're wearing your wild shirt, your wild jersey today. Looks good. Number 24, in case you ever tune in. Tell me a little bit, you know, we joke a lot that I'm not really a sports person. Um, Sports ball is my, mostly the extent of my knowledge. Tell me a little bit about what it means to be a professional Frisbee player. (laughs) Well, it is a relatively new thing, especially for women. But basically, we try out in the winter, and then our season runs from May to June. And I compete in the Western Ultimate League, which includes eight teams now. We just had an expansion team join us this year from Denver, which is super exciting. And uh, we play each other during the regular season, and then there's a championship weekend at the end of the season this year. That'll be in June. There is another women's professional ultimate league it's called the professional ultimate league it's actually on the eastern side of the country and uh, we don't have any overlap with them yet but both leagues are growing and expanding i think the visibility of the athletes has people really excited getting more fans involved uh, more athletes engaged and coming to tryouts so hopefully it'll continue to grow and there is a men's professional league called the AUDL there's also Club play, which is not paid, that's many members and competing around the country, even around the world. But the pro ultimate league that I'm a part of, the WL, is particularly special to me because it gives me, for the first time in my life, the opportunity to play professional ultimate frisbee in my region. And we're also a nonprofit, and the goal, uh, my team is a nonprofit, the WL is a nonprofit. So the mission of elevating women and non binary athletes and giving them the big stage to play on while also being activists in their own community is really special to me. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. And it makes a lot of sense because I feel like all through like our childhood growing up, 
we have all these memories of you just fearlessly joining usually guys playing like pickup sports. I feel like there's a story about when you were studying abroad in France, you went and kicked a bunch of guys' butts at the park or something. (laughs) (laughs) And so I think it's really cool that you're able to elevate particularly women and non-binary people because I think, you know, there's, this doesn't get the same amount of attention usually. So it's really cool that you're doing that. Thank you. Yeah, I agree. I think for much of my growing up and even now as a well into adulthood athlete, so much of my sport, I've always loved sports. My first word was ball. I was always playing sports on the playground, usually soccer from when I was in kindergarten. And oftentimes that was with boys or men, but I think it's really special to have our own league with our own values, our own funding, and not compare ourselves in relation to men, but in relation to each other. And uh, I think women really want to see women play professional sports. It's exciting, you know, showcasing some incredible skills. And, you know, if you can't see it, it's hard to imagine being it. And I think Mm -hmm. having women who uh, young girls and young non-binary athletes can look up to and see a path to playing at that level is just really exciting. And it's something that I know meant a lot to me as a kid. My first heroes were in sports were Michelle Cristal and Mia Hamm. And then after that, Serena Williams and Megan Rapinoe. And there really wasn't much visibility. You know, I could not watch them play on TV. The only chance to watch women play sports on TV was the Olympics every four years. And it was usually ice skating or gymnastics, which have never been my strength. Um, <laughs> so watching women play team sports, um, while there's been tons of opportunities to watch men, I think watching women play team sports on TV is really a new thing, but it's so exciting. The little girl in me and the adult athlete in me, I just get so inspired. And even now, age 41, still want to push myself and get better. And those examples really are inspiring to me. So hopefully that's what we're trying to create with our league to give young girls and non-binary athletes and adults who are kids at heart a chance to dream and imagine and also give them people to look up to on the sports field. Yeah. Yeah. And since you brought it up, um, you know, you said you're age 41. So at what age did you become a professional athlete? Well, I made Utah Wild back in 2020. So I think I was 39 then, maybe 38. Can't quite remember. But uh, then we were actually supposed to have our first training camp in March of 2020. Yeah. And it got canceled for COVID and we thought it might be postponed. Turned out it was postponed until 2021. So I took the field in the wild jersey for the first time at the Winter Cup in San Diego in 2021 when I was 39 years old. Yeah. So that was a very proud moment for me. I had wanted that for almost 35 years <laughs> and it was really a dream come true. Yeah. I, and I think it just, you know, when I think about the theme of this podcast being who needs permission, I think, you know, you have to work so hard to become a professional athlete. And I think as we get older, it's hard to continue to push yourself. I mean, you are at a level of fitness that I continue to be amazed by, but I also think like, feeling the pressure from other people. I mean, how many times do we see news stories about Tom Brady, it's time to retire and stuff like that. And yet you're just beginning. I think you, you'll get to play for as long as you want to play. Well, I certainly hope so. Certainly as I get older, 
most of my peers have moved on to other things. Some of them are coaching. There's some that are still playing that I started with back when I was, I started playing Ultimate Frisbee when I was 18. So I feel really privileged, really thankful to still be playing at a level that I want. And there's been some big names recently watching them like Carly Lloyd and Serena Williams decide on their own terms when they go out. Mm-hmm. Certainly, I think that's what all of us want is to go out on our own terms and not kind of dwindle away. So as I get older, the way that I train, the way that I have to rest and take care of my body, it is so much harder than when I was in my 20s. Absolutely. Been through a lot of physical therapy, got to do a lot of extra strengthening and so much more rest, which makes it difficult to stay in shape. So I think at some point that will be benefits will outweigh the cost. So I hope I can continue to play at the level that I want for as long as I want. The wonderful thing about Frisbee is there are so many different ways to be engaged in the community. There's pickups uh, just at the park. There's league, city league. There's traveling teams. There's professional. So I feel like I still will have an opportunity to be involved uh, in various ways and still feel the joy of playing. And that's really ultimately the goal. I want to keep playing while it's still joyful and fun and I can stay healthy. Mm-hmm. And then after that, it'll be time to do something else. Yeah. I know you've had some injuries over the last few years, which is hard enough on its own. And then you were also trying to, you were training to get back to that professional level. So what kept you going during that time? And how did you get back to it? You know, playing and getting in shape? Well, I have to say being injured was certainly one of the hardest things. I mean, that gives you an idea of how privileged I am. But being out of sport, uh, I think that's been a huge part of my identity for so many years. Uh, Being part of a team, being a competitor, being good at sports, something that I'm proud of and that really brings a lot of meaning to my life. I have so many friendships because of it. So it was really sad to be on the outside. And I think coming back from it, Really, just to get back to that joy and feeling part of the community was so motivating, even just on a small level, just barely starting to play, pick up. It really reminded me to never take it for granted and that I can have a blast and feel good and healthy at so many different levels of the sport. I don't have to try to play pro to be happy and still enjoy it. So it was a really good reminder that, no, I really do love this sport. It's really special to me and it's still worth it to train through pain and frustration. And I think it also gave me some perspective that I reminded me of my other interests, gave me some time to try other things. And I still would prefer to play Frisbee. So yeah, that was a good reminder. I also have been incredibly fortunate. I've been playing travel competitive sports since I was 11 and to get all the way into my upper thirties before I had a real injury that sidelined me, you know, that's, most people don't have that story. So I think it's luck that I feel incredibly thankful for. And I also think it's given me a lot more insight um, when I have teammates who have gotten hurt. How, like, how do you get through that? How to be a supportive friend and teammate. Also, you know, I'm a family doctor and I think it's given me a lot more insight and understanding into other people's mental health, especially when it comes to chronic pain and being sidelined with various injuries. So I think it's been a great experience, a growth experience for sure. It has not been easy and certainly something I want to avoid if at all possible. But I also think it's just been a good perspective and a good gut check that 
don't ever take it for granted. Uh, such a gift to be able to do it and be outside in the sun running around with your friends. So I think it's really renewed my love for the sport and I am so thankful every time I get to go out there. Yeah, that's really cool. And I, I feel like when I'm exercising and just trying to get back into it, like, you know, COVID happened, I didn't really move much, to be honest. Um, I stayed inside and mostly watch TV or movies. And so getting back into fitness has been really difficult. And some of the time, sometimes I feel like when it's hard, I'm just like, it's never going to get any easier. And I like, why do I even try this hurts too much? And I feel like, so what, you know, as someone who actually like, you know, you had an injury that was causing you a lot of pain. How did you keep the mindset positive and keep pushing and know that like, it's going to get better? Well, I don't know that I did always maintain that mindset. I think I had uh, many moments of despair. My partner partner can confirm that. It was very hard to keep that perspective. But, I, you know, I had surgery, and that was a pretty awful recovery. And then this past summer, I had another injury that was more uh, soft tissue injury. It didn't need surgery. And I think after having been through the surgical injury, the soft tissue injury, I did have better perspective. and more patience with my body and just be able to give it more time mentally. So at least I learned a little bit from the first experience, (laughs) but I do think it's, uh, I feel so lucky that I happen to fall in love with team sports because the social aspect is so motivating to get out there. I think it's hard when you're on your own trying to get back into shape. I think it's great to have a buddy to train with, to make it fun, signing up for, little, you know, different leagues if you can, but no doubt it's really hard to get motivated. For me, I think a big part of my mental health is movement. And one of the hardest things about being injured was having that coping mechanism taken away. So for me, it's a daily thing that I just kind of go stir crazy if I don't move my body for better, for worse. Sometimes that's gotten me into trouble when I am supposed to be still and rest and heal, but no doubt it's it's been a really tough couple of years for so many people and it's really hard to get motivated. But I think having a buddy, finding things that you really enjoy, not something you like, don't do it. There's so many different ways to be healthy. Health really comes at so many sizes and shapes and looks so different in so many people. So I definitely try to like with at work, try to stress that with my patients that there's so many things that go into health and more movement is always better. And hopefully it's something that you like that you'll do but also get a buddy so that Mm -hmm. they'll drag you out when you don't want to (laughs) go. Yeah. Well, and, you know, thinking about like moving our bodies and stuff, the way that I kind of see you is you really are fearless. Um, I've always seen you just go like full force into new activities. I mean, I can think of like watching you try skate skiing, watching you rock climb, mountain bike. Uh, You have, you do backcountry skiing. You have like avalanche gear. I mean, it's, you swim. I mean, you've tried surfing and I mean, we scuba together. I mean, there's just so many things. I've always really admired that about you, that you just kind of go in all in and you're not, you don't seem afraid. And I think particularly for me, like moving my body in public can feel pretty uncomfortable. And I just feel like that's never been something that seemed to scare you. Like, and you're honestly, from my perspective, you try it and you're good at it. <laughs> so, I'm just, you know, I'm sometimes very bad at it. Um, but I'm just curious, you know, like what advice do you have or thoughts do you have for people who struggle to overcome their fear of trying new things? Hmm. Um, 
Well, I guess being willing to do that sort of thing and try new sports definitely comes from many years of playing team sports where I'm out in public doing stuff that, you know, to get confidence from that. Um, so I'm really thankful that I started that at a young age and fell in love with it because I think that does affect so many different aspects of my life with, you know, taking on leadership roles at work, leadership roles within the Frisbee community, just how I carry myself. So, you know, there's so much data that girls who play sports end up as leaders and decision makers. There's so many, I feel like you can learn all you need to know from sports in terms of teamwork and personal growth and discipline and could go on about that. That's one of my favorite things to talk about. All the things you can learn from sports. But in terms of advice, obviously some of these sports can be dangerous. So I don't think, I think if it's really, truly scary, it might not be worth doing. I think being prepared uh, is really important and certainly doing things that you think you might like. Not everybody has to do all these crazy sports and I think backcountry skiing is an example. It can be very dangerous. Right. Uh, I kind of got dragged into it by my best friend from medical school who made me, she didn't make me. She kept asking me to do an avalanche course. And I really was like, why would I walk up the hill? There are chairlifts for that. <laughs> but uh, once I did it, uh, I really loved it. And so sometimes, like I said, it takes a buddy to pull you along to try new things. The same tr- thing is true in rock climbing. That's not something that I would ever have been interested in. I'm afraid of heights, but I have a really good friend who wanted to take me. And I also learned at summer camp to try new things. So when I was a kid, so certainly doesn't have to be, I don't encourage anybody to do extreme sports if they're not interested. I think it's much more important to enjoy what you're doing. And sometimes fear can really take the enjoyment out of it. So there's all different ways to be healthy and active. And again, having a buddy to push you a little bit in a good way. Just being open to trying new things. I think playing sports also has really helped me to know the difference between pain that is a problem and the struggle of trying to get into shape. And I think as people are starting out, it's very hard to know the difference. You know, soreness in the muscles and in the chest when you're trying to get fit. That can be really uh, scary and unnerving if you haven't felt that before. But after so many years of playing sports, I think it's, you know, it's something that is it's nice to know the difference so I can continue to push myself when I know it's just, okay, this is my conditioning. I will not feel sore in a few days. And I think that's one of the biggest hurdles for people that are trying to, to get back into shape because it really can decrease your motivation. So get this where a buddy really helps. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Has there ever been a time when you've gone for something and it didn't work out? Yeah. Um, I can think of a number of different I've been very thankful in Frisbee to be pretty successful and be in a small pond where didn't have to try out for things. There's only a few of us, so most of us make the team, that sort of thing. But I was on a club team in Boise for I think six or seven years, and our goal was to make it to Frisbee Nationals, and we didn't make it six times. We were really close, knocking on the door, even lost the game to go to Nationals by one point. And I was the captain of the team at that time. And that was rough. I think I had a lot of, uh, took a lot of responsibility for that because one point is such a small difference. I definitely wonder what I could have done differently as a leader. But then we did it the following year and it was really special. I think one of the, 
in sports, one of the best things that happened to me was I actually got cut from my soccer club team when I was like 13. And I got offered a spot on the B team and it made me so mad and so motivated to show them how wrong they were that it carried me for probably 10 years. <laughs> so I think uh, sometimes... Who's laughing now? <laughs> yeah, who's laughing now? That was a really good experience. You know, I was only a baby, but uh, it was a really good experience, and it was very motivating to, you know, get in better shape, work on my technicality, um, and ultimately was very successful in soccer. So sometimes a setback is brief. Other people, maybe they, you know, they agree. They just kind of take what's given to them and go to the B team. But I'm really stubborn and was lucky enough to get another opportunity on a different team and but I have a I've on my shoulder <laughs> yeah. that uh also helps motivate me besides the joy of playing I'm always out there trying to prove that I belong and I think that continues now that I'm the oldest one on the team by far I think I'm probably the oldest one in the WUL by a lot yeah um and yeah that little chip on my shoulder is still there Prove that I still belong, that I can still keep up with the young kids and mm. contribute. Well, if it's if it helps, I, you may already know this, but you're kind of a legend. <laughs> for for a time, I moved to Boise, and when I, I Boise's at least back then was particularly had a small town feel. And I happened to meet some people, and I, I would meet people, and they'd go, "Oh my God, you're Staller's sister. We love Staller. She's so great." And it was all like. Ah. Frisbee people. Awesome. They never who, told me that to my face. <laughs> really? Well, it told me. I remember being like, wow, it's like I'm kind of a celebrity. <laughs> like I know you and they they respect you. And I think to keep at something with such intensity um, and commitment is really impressive, you know, even through all the setbacks that happen. And I think when I think about mindset, particularly, you know, I have what I would call a fixed mindset where everything I do is feels like a judgment on whether or not I am, you know, good enough, perfect enough. And what you kind of sound like you have is a growth mindset where you're like, this is an opportunity to grow and get better. Um, and growth mindset, while they both can be useful, growth mindset tends to be associated probably with better mental health and self-esteem. Um, <laughs> but also just being able to take things as they, it, it's not a, you know, that, giving cut from the A team wasn't a referendum on your abilities as an athlete. In fact, you know, that was just an opportunity, a door that you, you know, it wasn't open. So you went and found another way and, and look at you now, you know, you didn't take that as a sign of, Oh, I'm not good enough. And so I, you know, this is where I want to be. And because I'm not good enough. I think that's well, really I think, important. Uh, I think the growth mindset thing is not something that comes naturally to me. And mm -hmm. I definitely have a perfectionist side of me that sometimes I'll feel afraid to make mistakes, embarrassed if I do make mistakes. And I think that's honestly, that's just the white supremacist patriarchy internalized inside of me. And I'm trying to fight that so hard. Uh, I think I've wondered where that comes from for so long and recently realized that's where it comes from. So through that, I need to fight back and certainly being injured and returning to play just really focusing on not, and as I get older, not comparing myself to my 25 year old self, because it doesn't make sense. I'm good at other things now and I don't have to be perfect to be good at something. That's the beauty of team sports. You can screw up a hundred times and still win the game. 
That's why I could never do. That's why I could never do individual sports. That's just too much. So I do think for whatever it appears from the outside, I am always fighting that perfectionist mindset. But I think the older I get, I'm getting a little bit better at it sometimes. Um, just giving myself grace to screw up and still believe in myself. I think that's one of the biggest challenges. And I was talking with my partner last night about my news resolutions, and that's actually one of them. So still a work in progress. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how are you going to go about, you know, tackling that resolution? Mm, asking all the hard questions. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I think positive self-talk, putting myself in situations that aren't high pressure just to remind myself that I love to play the playing league playing pickup trying new things there instead of trying not to make mistakes there to prepare for something just kind of going out and having a good time and just trying to set my intentions like I have a wild practice this weekend and I'm so excited to see everybody and kind of the elder stateswoman on the team so I think it's really been helpful when I get nervous and have performance anxiety. It's really helpful for me to think about other people and how I can be a good teammate, how I can cheer them on and just flow instead of focus on every single movement of my body. So yeah, those are a number of different ways. Like I said, it's a work in progress. Mm -hmm. Meditation, writing. I've been to counseling, just thinking about what's the worst that could happen. You make the mistake. Uh, at work, that's a real problem, but right. uh, the rest of life, <laughs> right. you know, who cares? It's just a game and people aren't going to be upset. I mean, they might in the moment if it's a scenario, but um, one, a few mistakes doesn't, it's not a referendum on everything that you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also trying to bring more than just physical ability, showing other people on my team that I value them for more than just a play can really be contagious. That's really, that's really cool. And it's, you know, I view you kind of as like an individual. I, you know, I hear about your life and see, watch you go through life. And I kind of think about you as an individual, but I, I didn't quite grasp, I think until now, the community that you feel really grounded in and how that just the part you play in that community and the part they play in your life is a big part of who you are. It sounds like, which is, it's neat. I didn't know that about you really. Yeah. It's uh, what to say it's, so much to be a part of. We're kind of like a little family. We bicker. Mm-hmm. There's like older and younger dynamics. And, but I think trying to be a steady, positive example, be kind, um, show good sportsmanship. That's not like working on showing good sportsmanship because I come from soccer where people are trying to get away with stuff and Frisbee's not like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, really focused on spirit of the game. So, yeah, I think there's a couple of us in Boise that have been around a long time. And I don't think I, it took me a long time to realize how much people look up to us and tend to be that strong, assertive woman in these various situations, um, speaking up for uh, lots of different people's needs and advocating. Um, that's something I'm still working on, but I think it's really important and trying to really internalize that and set my intention that it's not just about me. People are watching and I can, you know, have an impact. Yeah. I think, yeah, I do think they look up to you more than, you know, and like I said, legend. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you. That's yeah. Very good. 
So, and I'm curious, you know, you had mentioned a while, like a, um, you talked about being an example for young women and representation. Can you share the story of the person who asked for your jersey? Sure. That was out of left field, and I'm so honored. So one of my wild teammates is a wonderful coach and does so much for her community in Provo. She coaches the BYU women's team, and she also coaches something called YCC, which I actually don't know what that acronym means, but it's basically an all-star team of high school students um, that go to a tournament every summer. So she is really an incredible servant to her community, and all of her players just love her. I think she's an amazing coach, and she's an amazing player. She just won Frisbee Nationals, Club Nationals with Molly Brown, which is a team out of Denver. And she traveled from Salt Lake every weekend to practice with them. Oh, my gosh. The entire season. Kendra Miller, look her up. She's amazing. Um, anyway, she was coaching her YCC team, and they were having a little competition at their practice. And she said, whoever wins this gets whatever prize they want, which is risky. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, she's, she's brave. And Lily won this competition, and she told Kendra, I want Sarah Stoller's jersey. <laughs> and I have never met this person. I... Uh, Kendra she kind of sheepishly texted me and said, please have your jersey. And of course, I'm just honored and kind of floored that, you know, you never know who's watching um, at our games. So it's really an incredible feeling. And so I gave Lily my jersey and then she showed up at tryouts and she made the team at Wild and now she's oh my, my teammate. That yeah, is so cool. I actually just sent her a message this morning and said, can you please bring my jersey to practice this weekend? Because we have to take headshots and I <laughs> haven't gotten a new one yet. <laughs> so, yeah, oh, so um, she crushed that. That was an amazing player. And I'm just so excited to get a chance to match up against her and play with her. Uh, she's an incredible athlete and I believe she's 18. Oh my so, gosh. Get ready, world. Wild has quite a pipeline coming. That's so cool. And I am, don't tell her this. Maybe she'll listen to this. I don't know. Probably not. Maybe she will. Uh, I'm going to get her jersey and I'm delighted. I would be so excited to stand next to her. Maybe we can wear each other's jerseys. That's really cool. That's so cool. I love that. Thanks for, thanks for, I didn't know that she was, she'd made the team and she made the team. Yeah. And probably at some point, someone's going to want, someone's going to want her jersey. The cycle continues and I know. Yeah. The circle of life. Yeah. Pretty awesome. That's really cool. And the one other thing I was thinking about, I watched um, an interview that you did with, I think, wild players or players in the um, women's ultimate league. They all have like these crazy full-time jobs where they're, you know, they're like doctors and lawyers and I don't know, like senior accountants or something like that. And then they're also these amazing athletes which is just really inspiring and cool um, that, you know, they're, they're independent working full-time doing interesting stuff, but then they also have the time to, to do the cool things that you're doing with Frisbee, which is just really neat. Thank you. Yeah. That was a really fun interview to do. We were trying to stoke excitement for the league uh, during COVID when there was no league. And yeah, the people that I interviewed with, one was a pharmacist, one was a lawyer. That's right. Yeah. And, I think there there are so many female athletes out there, pro, not pro, who are so talented who don't have the support uh, because the financial support is not the same. There's not equity for male and female professional athletes. 
mm-hmm. they have to work full time. So hopefully exposure to professional women's sports grows, that will no longer be the case. And the people that are really at elite levels of their sport can do it full time, just like men's professional sports. Um, I'm not sure if Frisbee's kind of a fringe sport for most of the world. Uh, obviously, it's very important to me, but I don't know if there would ever be anybody's full-time job. Wouldn't that be lovely? But uh, I think just, you know, Frisbee is very expensive. Being on a club team, even if you go to nationals, it can cost thousands of dollars a season. It requires a lot of travel to compete at the highest level. So having a professional league where we get paid, where our travel is compensated, it's incredible. And I think it's hopefully going to improve equity and improve accessibility for people who are at this level and want to play but don't have the means. And hopefully that'll cascade down through the ranks because up until now, it was really financially a huge commitment. Yeah. Well, tell us more about Wild. (laughs) So I play for uh, Utah Wild, which is a 501c3 organization, a professional ultimate Frisbee team based in Salt Lake City, but it's for diverse women and non-binary athletes throughout the Mountain West. And our values include Western community, inclusion and equity, leadership, dynamism, environmentalism, and growth and reach and advocacy. Uh, you can find us in our amazing merch uh, at utahwildultimate.org. We're also on Facebook and apparently Twitter and also Instagram. And really our our mission is to promote and elevate diverse women and non-binary athletes in the competition of Ultimate, but also to grow the sport through leadership, outreach, and we donate part of our proceeds to a nonprofit every year that kind of matches with our mission. So it's really an amazing organization to be a part of. I'm continuously so honored uh, to be a part of it and really have learned so much from the board's leadership and how to be really intentional about starting a nonprofit and living our values. Um, and also we play Frisbee. So our first game is March 18th. All of our games will be live streamed on YouTube for free. That is part of our values to make it as accessible as possible. And our season will hopefully run through June if we make it to the championship weekend. But it should be a really exciting season. We're going to be playing a lot of wonderful teams and athletes at the highest level of the sport. So highly encourage you to tune in and check us out. Awesome. Very cool. As an aside, um, haven't you also played in a world championship? (laughs) (laughs) I did. Yes. Through a friendship connection, I wound up playing on a team called Lady Godiva. This was, I think, back in 2014. I just get the years mixed up, 2014 or 2015. Um, they're actually a team out of Boston that was really a, a dynasty in the 90s in women's ultimate frisbee and put together a master's team that ended up qualifying for the world championship in Lecco, Italy. And I traveled with them to Italy. I had the privilege of playing at the World Championship. And we unfortunately lost to Canada in the gold medal game. But yes, I have a silver medal for women's ultimate frisbee. That's wild. Back when I was a young thing, only 32 (laughs) or 33 or something like that. Oh man, that's really cool. I remember you doing that. And then the world world part just dawned on me. (laughs) It's like, the world championship. Well, that's, I just think it's so cool that you, you know, you 
you have your full-time job, but you also do this thing on the side and you've worked really hard and put in a lot of hours to get there. Um, but it's just, it feels, I don't know. It seems like you have a really positive intent behind it with wild's mission and, um, you guys are doing some really cool stuff. So I really appreciate you. you. I don't know that. I don't know if it was always like that. I think playing for wild has really expanded my idea of what we're able to do as professional female athletes, or professional uh, women matching athletes, and just to kind of take that extra step of dynamism and leadership has been really exciting. So, Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. It's always good to talk to my sister and, and also to kind of get to know you a little bit better. Yeah, well, I'm honored. Thank you again for the invitation. And this was really fun. Yeah. Oh, and last thing. So you're headed off to your first practice, right? Yes for the 2023 season? Indeed. What are you most looking forward to? Well, I am really excited to all be together. I got to meet pretty much everybody at tryouts, but I didn't get to have a lot of chats to really get to know people. So really excited to meet the new folks who are joining us this season. We've got a lot of team building. We're going to talk about what kind of team culture we want to have and then get right to it. Uh, I've gotten the playbook already that I have to learn, and I we have incredible coaches, so I'm really excited to learn and to run and get to play against that level of competition. That practice is such a privilege, so really, I'm looking forward to the whole thing. It's That's awesome. Be a blast. Cool, and I see you've got, is that a wild sticker on your headphone? Very cool. Yes. I have to say, you should check out the merch. It's really cool. I, I really like the colors. It's it feels very um, Utah and, and like mountainy and cool. <laughs> yes, our merchandise is awesome. Check out our merch at utahwildultimate.org. Awesome. awesome. And can you also find links to the games there? The links to the games are going to be at the WUL uh, website, or you can find it on YouTube at the WUL channel. Yeah, the WL is the Western Ultimate League. Cool. All right. Thank you, Sarah. Good luck at practice. I hope it's a great season. I look forward to watching your games. Thank you. And it's great to see you and spend time with you.